Strawchuk here, and welcome to episode 37 of the Pennsylvania Project. As you may know here at the Pennsylvania Project, our vision is a better Pennsylvania. To achieve that vision, our mission is to boldly showcase the political, cultural, and environmental challenges facing contemporary Pennsylvania and to relentlessly pursue correct solutions. But more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem. Correct? Correct. Correct. At least it better be. We have an online episode planned today, and like all episodes of the Pennsylvania Project, it's divided into three parts. You, them, and me. Part one is all about you, your questions, your opinions, your solutions, your whatevers. And rather than a call-in format, we are an email-in format. So if you have something to say, you can contact us at PennsylvaniaProject.com, and you can always listen to us there too, or on iTunes or whatever your favorite podcast provider may be. Today for the U part, we have a conqueror. Can't wait for that. That'll be followed up with a follow-up question about Real ID. And time willing, we'll have a question about a recent sting operation in Montgomery County. That should be good too. After that, part two is all about them. Each episode, we host a guest to help us showcase the political, cultural, and or environmental challenges facing Pennsylvania. Our guest today, believe it or not, is a non-human We had hoped for a real human, with or without a real ID or a real id. But once again, we found ourselves stranded without our hoped-for guest. But as a plan B, we have a very unusual guest, a non-human guest, as I mentioned. Who is this non-human guest? I don't hear you ask. Who is it, Kent? Facebook, that's who. Facebook? Yep, good old Facebook. Well, that's non-human. Yep. As it turns out, we cannot keep up with all the questions that keep coming in via PennsylvaniaProject.com, let alone those that are out there on Facebook. So for today's guest, instead of one person, as is our custom, we're going to have a whole bunch of people with all their questions that have backed up over the last several months, taken directly from the Facebook page, warts and all. Should be fun. After the you part comes part three of the Pennsylvania Project, the me part, where it'll be my turn, your caster, Ken Crawchuk. I'll be focusing on some particular issue that really sticks in my craw, pun intended. Can you possibly guess today what it is? Yep, it's guests on the Pennsylvania Project. That's what's sticking in my craw today, or the lack thereof, probably, I should say. And throughout our show, as is our long-established custom, we'll be featuring a Pennsylvania Toastmaster to serve as a narrator to read our live commercials. Today we have Glenn Friesman, a member of the, I forgot to write down what Toastmasters Club it was. Oh, you're the Gavel Club at Trenton Prison? And... Climb. Climb, Toastmasters. Welcome to the Pennsylvania Project, Glenn. Thank you, Ken. Let me ask you, what do you enjoy about being a Toastmaster? The thrill of being on that side of the mic. Ah, here you are on that side of the mic again. Here I am. Yeah, definitely. We also have a second Toastmaster with us today, according to another one of our customs, to help us read and respond to whatever comes into our mailbag and join in discussions with our guest, a role we call cohort. Today's cohort is no stranger to the Pennsylvania Project. She was our narrator in episode 33, a recent cohort in episode 35, and she's a member of the Doylestown Toastmasters in... You guessed it, Doylestown. Welcome back to Distinguished Toastmaster, Kate Conti. Thank you, Ken. Glad to be here. It's your third time. It is my third time. Very exciting. Oh, man. And you know what? The previous two times you were here, we had a guest stand us up. Yes, we did. 
You are three for three. I'm thinking it's me. I might be the jinx. Thinking? I'm not, I'm not just thinking. You're pretty I'm, sure? Yeah, I'm thinking pretty sure. What are you going to do about that, Ken? Mm, when in danger, when in doubt, run in circles, scream and shout. Either don't invite me back, or make sure you have a guest next time. Yeah, yeah. Talk to our producer, Mark. Oh, it's Mark's fault. It's Mark's fault. That's what producers are it's for. It's always we good to blame, blame somebody. Everything on him. All right. Never mind. We'll cope. We're Toastmasters. Never mind. We're Toastmasters. We can cope with this kind of stuff. So let's dig into our mailbag. And remember, our mission is not just to complain, but to explore solutions. What do we got today, Kate? Well, Ken, I'm going to go off the script a little bit here because I know that you and Glenn have a special connection, don't you? <laughs> Kate, you're fired. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. If I didn't fire you after the three guests missing, I'm not going to fire you after this. But yes, it is true that Glenn and I have a special connection. And no, no, not, not that kind of special connection. I don't think my not wife... Not that there's anything wrong with it. Not, I don't... Oh. Well, don't tell my wife that. I don't think she'd approve. <laughs> but since you put me on the spot, let me explain to our listeners, because back in episode 35, Kate was here, and we talked about Toastmaster speech contests. And I presented my winning humor speech from several years ago called Stupid, Stupid, Stupid. Well, er earlier this year, I competed in the Toastmasters International Speech Contest... That's where we compete for the title of the world champion of public speaking. I made it this year all the way to the fourth level out of seven, which is a record for me. I never made it that far. Fourth level is pretty big because it spans all the Toastmasters clubs in eastern half of Pennsylvania and most of the police state of New Jersey. It's over 100 clubs, thousands of Toastmasters. So that's really rising to a top there. Pretty good for me. Like I said, it was a record. There were seven of us competing that day, and I delivered one of the best speeches of my life, but I managed to come in only second. Do you know who it was who came in first? Do you know who it was who beat me? Who was it, Ken? Glenn. Yes, this very Glenn who's sitting Glenn. across from me right now. Glenn. Wait, 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 wait. Glenn, it, Glenn. It gets worse. Do you know what his winning speech was about? I have no idea. I don't remember this contest. It was about a libertarian talk show host on talk radio on WWDB in Philadelphia. Yes, yes, I know. I am a libertarian talk show host on a talk radio show on WWDB in Philadelphia. So but his speech was all about you? No, no, the speech was not about me. It was about my predecessor here at WWDB, the legendary Irv Homer. So Glenn didn't just beat me at a Toastmaster speech contest. He beat me with my own shtick. <laughs> What's with that, Glenn? <laughs> what are you laughing? Uh, uh, I, 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 it was fun. It was a great <laughs> contest, and uh, I, I had no idea how close uh, we were. I know. What we, was and what was amazing is you were actually in the front row and kind enough to tape that for me. Uh huh. And and you're talking about <laughs> Irv Homer and WWDB, and I'm sitting, and there are people around the audience looking at me because they know I'm on DB, and they know all this stuff. And, and I've been shying away from political topics for the international speech contest for a number of years now because I always make it to the third level and then come in the second. So this year I did one that wasn't political. I made it to the fourth level and came in second, but got beat with a political speech about my predecessor, 
Well, if it's, any, if it's any consolation to you, they didn't pick me for the fifth level because maybe it was political. No, that's all right. I would want to see you win anyway. That's what Toastmasters is all about. That's right. It is a weird coincidence, though. I know. What year was that? This year. This year. Oh, it was this year? Yeah, earlier this year. And I'm taking the same speech on the, tr- on the road again. I, it was called Loser. It was about how I keep losing speech contests. But I'm going to be doing a variant of the same speech called Winner. <laughs> We'll see whether or not I win. Are you competing? I am. Nah. Well, we shall perhaps meet again. I hope we do. I, I, I wish <laughs> you At luck. At the OK Corral. I, w- <laughs> I wish you luck, sir. Same to you, buddy. Thank you. I now remember why I missed that. I was in Alaska. Uh, so you're giving us a cold shoulder. I yeah. get it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get back on script, Kate. What, okay. do, we, what do we got? Next, we have a reply from Susan Farwell in New Hope, Pennsylvania. She says, well, I'm questioning Real ID because I'm confused. To get one, it reads like you have to present a current passport and Social Security card and two regular forms of ID, such as a driver's license and a car registration Hmm. and a marriage certificate. That's a lot of ID when a passport is supposed to be already valid and official. I guess I'll have to call them. The website tells you almost nothing additional. Or simply go ahead and gather all that stuff and present it myself at a place and get my new ID. What a lot of fuss. Aw, poor Susan. Tyranny yeah, got she's you a little down. riled up. Yeah, that's what tyrants do. And people ask me why I'm involved in politics. I have to get involved. Because, you know, I can't sit idly by and watch travesties like this go down unchallenged. So I do political stuff. Sometimes I'm able to beat back the tyrants, sometimes not. But it's not for lack of trying, that's for sure. Susan, you know what you should do? What do you think? Should you just gather up all your papers, please, and submit to the tyrants' requests? Or maybe do something about it instead? I mean, you personally do something about it. The question is always, do what? Well, whenever I'm faced with overwhelming adversity, such as tyrants demanding your papers, please, before they give you the papers that they're going to have to give back to them, that you're going to have to give back to them, you know what I do? I turn to one of my fictional heroes and ask myself, what would Captain Kirk do? Ooh, I (laughs) like that. Truth, don't laugh. It's helped me more than you can guess. But getting back to the point at hand with Susan, there's a Kirk quote from the original Star Trek series that might help here. It's from the episode titled Mirror, Mirror, more commonly known as the Spock with a Beard episode. (laughs) Remember that one? I love that show. In it, Captain Kirk told the evil Mr. Spock, quote, in every revolution, there's one man with a vision. Or one woman, Susan. Maybe you're that woman. Remember the mantra of the grassroots activist. I've said it many times on this show, many, many times. It's easy to remember. Ten words, two letters each. If it is to be, it is up to us. Or if you want to make it personal, it is up to me. You don't like the tyrants, Susan? And you should do something about it. And I personally would love to help. How would you help her? In every way I can. And you know what? I have planned a future episode where I'm going to talk about how to run for public office, how to get on the ballot, how to organize rallies, how to debate, what to do in the debates. I get a series of five that I need to do. 
and I guess they're going to be starting along about episode 40. I've got them outlined, but they're not, they're not done yet. So, Susan, if you're listening, then think around, like I said, around episode 40. This is 37, 38, 39, 40. Yeah, yeah right around then. Because I need to have them all done no later than about episode 60. So it's going to be between 40 and 60, probably between 40 and 50. We'll see. So are you really suggesting that she run for political office in order to solve this problem? Well, how else are you going to do it? Maybe she's uh, one of these gun people. She's got an arsenal in her basement. I don't know. I can see it. Like She could storm the ID, <laughs> the driver's license place, right? Know. If you caught the prior episode about real ID, episode 36, there's a guy, Aaron Bollinger, from Cranberry, Pennsylvania, who led the charge and actually got the legislature to almost unanimously vote against real ID. So it is possible. It just take needs the quote Captain Kirk quote, in every revolution there's one woman with a vision. Well, I listened to that episode though, and you said that Pennsylvania caved because caved. the government said we wouldn't be allowed to fly on airplanes or Fe- visit nuclear power plants. That's and you know, right. personally I I want to reserve that as an option. <laughs> I do that all the time. No, actually I did that once. I was at the Salem plant. I actually did that once too. Yeah, I was there as a contractor. That was a scary story, too. I'll save that for another time. But yes, they caved. So your goal would be the the perpetrator of those threats, the federal government. So you'd be running for Congress or president. Can't be worse than the president we have now. And, you know, I've been saying that since Richard Nixon. <laughs> I guess the first thing would be to canvas the neighborhood and see how much or maybe start a Facebook page and see how much interest there is. Is she the only one worked up about this? I doubt it. I'm worked up about it. That's why I'm really. I'm worked up about it. In fact, I ran off this real ID document checklist fact sheet, and she's right. You need to provide oh, one of this wow. a birth certificate, a valid unexpired passport, certificate of U.S. citizenship, consular report of birth abroad, certificate of naturalization, unexpired <laughs> employment authorization card, valid valid unexpired permanent residency card. Or uh, unexpired foreign passport yeah, with a I, blah blah. All that I, one of those. So I have I was, a passport. Wait, I was I was born a guy. I wasn't born abroad. <laughs> but that's just the one category. But she's right. The next category is your social security card. It has to be your original social security card. And if you don't have it, you have to apply what, and pay and get an actual replacement. Fun. I still have mine. You should see my signature on it. It's, I actually still laugh- have mine, too. It's laughable. Then you have to prove your Pennsylvania residency with two documents. It goes on and on, Ken. It does. I'm like, you're only not even halfway done I'm not even halfway page. done. Ugh. And if, you, if you've been married and changed your name, you have to bring your marriage certificate. I did not change my name. I remember asking my wife if she wanted to change her name. She looked hurt. She goes, no, I'll change my name. So did she change her name? She did. She did. Yeah. I think... Uh, Combined name would be a good idea. No, it's too too liberal for nobody me. goes for it. Nobody yeah. goes for it. And at the very bottom, if you have a gender reassignment, uh, you have to bring all kinds of documents about that too. Oh, uh, we talking about it's very that complicated. A bit. Susan is right. Uh, what does Susan know? I don't know. But anyway, she's gonna have to do something. And on that revolutionary note, that's gonna have to do it for the you portion of episode thirty-seven of the Pennsylvania Project. We're going to pause for this information, and when we return, we'll be visiting with today's non-human guest, Facebook. 
Did you hear the latest news? Almost two-thirds of all federal spending now goes to pay for the welfare state. More than $2.2 trillion, which just about equals federal income. Do you realize what that means? Virtually all tax revenue is now being consumed by the welfare state. But how do we rein in that runaway spending before it destroys America? The answer? The separation of society and state. That's the premise of the new novel, Atlas Snubbed, an unsanctioned parody sequel to Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. Atlas Snubbed presents a workable alternative to the welfare state as we know it. Atlas Snubbed expertly extends Rand's epic story of a looter's world snubbed by the men of the mind, bringing to life a crumbling post-apocalyptic world where no one need ask who is John Galt, because now they know. Atlas Snubbed, available at all online bookstores or through atlassnubbed.com. Read it today before it's too late. Here's an interesting question. What do you think of these three ideas? Number one, people have at all times an unalienable right to alter, reform, or abolish their government as they think proper. Number two, juries shall have the right to determine the law as well as the facts. Number three, the right of the citizens to bear arms in defense of themselves and the state shall not be questioned. Do those words sound like... There's something taken from a Hollywood political thriller? Well, they're not. They're all direct quotes from Article 1 of the Pennsylvania Constitution. Everyone's heard of the U.S. Constitution, but have you heard of Pennsylvania's Constitution? Have you ever read it? But most importantly, was it ever taught to you in school? If you're like virtually all Pennsylvanians, the answers are likely no, no, and no. Well, it's the long past time we changed those answers to yes, yes, and yes. And you have a crucial part to play in making that come to pass. As you know, we are the Pennsylvania Project and are all about solutions. So we've authored a petition demanding that the Pennsylvania Constitution be taught to our children. It's up on our website, PennsylvaniaProject.com. If you believe it's important for our children to know how our state government works, please add your name to the growing list of signers. And every time we accumulate another batch of signatures, we'll send a copy of the petition to the governor, the Pennsylvania Board of Education, and each and every one of the 501 school districts in Pennsylvania, asking them right now to start teaching our children the Pennsylvania Constitution. So please sign the petition at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Do it now while it's on the top of your mind. Get your friends to sign it, your neighbors and your co-workers. The alternative is yet another generation that has never heard of, yet let alone read, the Pennsylvania Constitution. And people wonder why no one votes anymore. <laughs> Too true. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here again, and welcome to the Them portion of Episode 37 of the Pennsylvania Project where we host a guest to help us showcase the political, cultural, and or environmental issues facing contemporary Pennsylvania. As I said at the top of the show, we have a non-human guest today, the Pennsylvania Project Facebook page, where questions have been piling up and there's been no time to answer them. And it's also not the official channel, so I don't see it. I don't, I'm not a Facebook person, but somebody said, hey, what's all these questions? Well, so today's the day. We're going to try. Since we don't have a guest, we're going to see how many we can squeeze in. And I'm guessing we're not going to be able to fit them all, but I'm going to see how far we can go. The topic on our Facebook page is short and sweet. What bothers you about Pennsylvania? And in response, here's what several people said, and I think we're just going to take them in the order they were submitted. Kate, would you do me a favor, please, and take the lead and read? Certainly, Ken. 
Zach Swope says, <coughs> property tax as always, but I believe y'all covered that on your podcast. I'd like to see your input on the corruption of Reading as well, since I'm from outside Reading. Another thing that bothers me is the state police takeover of small departments across the state. Local police officers are almost always members of the community, and in many cases, they genuinely care about the community they're serving. How can we keep our local police departments going? <laughs> See what I mean about the questions backing up? I mean, he's got, what, three of them in there, four yeah. of them in there? Yeah. Well, let's take them one at a time. Let's start with property, property tax. tax. Yes, you are correct, but I covered that way back in episode number one during my conversations with my very liberal guest, Siddharth Paratkar, 17-year-old Toastmaster and graduate of the Youth Leadership Program at Toastmaster. He'd been Toastmaster 10 years by the time he came on the show. That was interesting. Yeah, nice. But that was a while ago, so let me, let me give this topic another whack. Well, Zach, I'm a libertarian. That means I have never met a tax I ever liked. And the worst of all possible taxes is the property tax. It's responsible for tossing seniors out of their homes, chiseling away at multi-generational homesteads, and erecting barriers to home ownerships, especially for first-time buyers. I believe we should work to eliminate the property tax by the best means possible. But how do we build that cat? One suggestion I heard a lot is SB 76, or HB 76, those companion bills. I support the goal of the bill, which is to eliminate the eliminate the property tax, but the way it wants to do it, I have some serious concerns about it because they call it the Property Tax Elimination Act. I, I think that name is wrong because it does not eliminate the tax. It shifts it to other pockets. So more collo colloquial way of phrasing it would be the Shell Game Act because that's what it is. Fact is we spend far too much on education as it is, and this bill would do nothing more than to hide that fact without addressing any of the underlying reasons. It falls disproportionately on lower-income families who can ill afford another big hike tacked onto their tax bills. The businesses located in cities who currently levy high taxes, sales taxes like Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, they're already suffering, and increasing that sales tax can only worsen their plight, which is what these bills do. They shift everything over to the sales tax. Thank you very much. I'm also concerned with the impact on the spending caps for schools that were created by Act 1 of 2006. Apparently, SB 76 removes the spending caps for schools. Scary. But you know, the worst part of it all, the question of increasing your school taxes would no longer be made by a neighborhood decision made by your local school board. Instead, it's going to become a political decision made in Harrisburg by Harrisburg politicians. It's going to dilute the say of your local voters by mixing it with everybody else's. While, and it's going to concentrate even more power in the hands of our Harrisburg legislators. And even worse, it keeps getting worse. It's going to concentrate power in their unelected board of education. That is terrible. So the bill is bad for the poor, bad for working families, bad for voters, bad for city businesses, bad for neighborhood schools, bad for education, and bad for other reasons, too. It's just bad. It's just bad. So I'm not a fan of SB 76. You know, I tell this to two-party people, and they say, how can you be opposed to eliminating property taxes? I'm not. I'm a libertarian. I, like I said, I'm just, I, I believe taxation is theft. You know, if, if I tried to take your wallet from you without your permission, I'd be a thief. 
And if me and Glenn got together and voted to take away your wallet, we'd both be thieves. But somehow, when it's Philadelphia or Abington or Pennsylvania, it became okay. We crossed the line there somewhere, didn't we? But how would you pay for all the services? Uh, what should we do instead? Yes, what should we do instead? Well, we want, there are numerous ways we can reduce the cost of education. And the one with the biggest immediate impact would be to privatize the educational system. I get a page to ask that question, you know. Ooh, where's the money? That's a good one. Yeah, right, as soon as we do this. So we want to privatize the educational system in Pennsylvania. That would mean the government would not run their own schools. A lot of them are Taj Mahal's. I'm not going to mention any by name, but I've been in a couple. But instead, we would place children with local private schools instead. And that would bring a huge reduction in cost. Do you know how much? How much? Well, I went out and I Googled private schools in my local Abington area to find out what they charged for a year. And I saw numbers ranging from about 5000 to about 13000 for the regular schools. And the exclusive schools like Abington Friends, they're up around 30000 but let's, let's leave out those exclusive schools. The average tuition was about $9,000. I then took the Abington School District budget, divided it by the number of students. Guess how much it costs a kid? How much? Well, $9,000 is the average for local schools. The Abington School District, $22,000 a child. Wow. The upshot is that if we privatized the schools, we could cut property taxes in half overnight and more and provide our children with a private school education. You're basically talking about charter schools, right? No, charter schools are still government schools. Oh, I didn't they're realize that. Yeah, they're still run by the government. They have a little bit of latitude, but but very, very, very little. We had a woman on here. She was wonderful. It was Veronica Joyner. And she was here in episode 22. And she runs a charter school in North Philadelphia. She has a 100% graduation rate, a 98% college admission rate. A woman is amazing. You should go listen to that episode. Definitely yeah, rocks. 28? Ep- episode, uh, yes, 28. Episode 28. I think I said 22 before. It's 28. I have my cheat sheet at my elbow here, which tells me what, when everything happened. <sighs> Cut property taxes in half. Private school education. SB 76 isn't doing that. They're just obfuscating the whole thing. So there you go. There's a half an answer to your question, more than half. That would eliminate the lion's share of the property tax. Yeah, sounds like a start. Now, what about a the rest? start. What about the rest? If I were not a libertarian, I might suggest a new tax, like starting with the decriminalization of cannabis and, heaven forbid, tax it. Other states have had a wonderful windfall using that kind of approach, but I don't think it's the best approach. Why not? We tax alcohol. I'm against that, too. Ah. <laughs> I never met a tax I like. I'm a libertarian. But, you know, this comes down to our antimetabole motto for Pennsylvania Project, because this is a case of solving the problem correctly, problem of who, who pays for education, versus solving the correct problem, which is the problem of how do we educate our kids. So what's the correct problem here? Educating kids. And I pointed this out way back in episode eight. Rather than kids paying for education, they should get paid to get be educated. Ooh, and, I like that. Yeah, I, and so I would too, speaking as a parent and grandparent. The best way to do that is with apprentice programs. For example, my father was a tool and die craftsman who made jet engine parts for a living. 
If you wanted to learn that skill today, you'd rack up a six-figure debt. My dad didn't do that. He took a job as an apprentice at the Bud Company in Philadelphia, and they taught him his trade. And while he was learning, the company paid him. Today, that same model is being followed by Boeing. They can't find enough mechanics, so they're training them and paying for the training. Airlines can't find enough pilots, so they're training them and paying for it. I remember uh, one of our regular contributors, Bernie, he was way back. We were talking about education, and I'm not going to remember what the episode was. I should have written it down. There's a teen sci-fi novel that tells a story about apprentice programs. It's called Higher Education by Charles Sheffield and Jerry Pornell. I'm a big fan of Jerry Pornell. It's all about how a spaceship company couldn't find enough kids with basic math and reading skills to fill all their positions. So they just taught them themselves. They took the kids out in space and taught them everything. And I remember also our guest in episode 19, he talked about how trade unions are crying for people, crying for plumbers, electricians, steam fitters, carpenters, machine operators, super duper pooper scooper operators and all kinds of stuff. They're training these people for free. They send you to school for free, give you a union worker's salary, union worker's benefits, and it doesn't cost a dime. Anybody out there unemployed, looking for a great high-paying job? Contact one of your local craft workers. We're all about solutions here at the Pennsylvania Project. And a more correct solution to the problem of education is apprentice programs. And it doesn't have to be craft trade. We can go all the way down to kindergarten if we wanted to. I can go on and on about education, the cost of education and more, but I'm using up the entire show talking about it. Uh, I've already, I've only covered part one of Zach's question, which is pretty interesting. We are going to have to turn the page. And I guess today is the, Pens- the Pennsylvania Project Facebook page. I'm your caster, Ken Krawchuk, and you're listening to the Pennsylvania Project. We'll be right back after this information. Thinking about getting your first tattoo? Maybe you're already ready to add to that sleeve you started or cover up the one you're regretful choice. Put Sam C. and his team of artists at Iron Will Tattoo Club at Glenside, PA at the top of your list. The team at Iron Will has plenty of designs to choose from. They can create an original design or work with a design that you can provide. Call 267-893-7625 to schedule your free consultation. That's 267-8-WE-ROCK. Or visit them on Instagram at Iron Will Tattoo Club. Hey, Kate here, cohort on the Pennsylvania Project. You know, it's easy to find a high-paying job, at least for some people. Employers are begging for competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. But do those words describe you? Competent leader? Communicates effectively? If not, or even if they do, you may want to consider joining Toastmasters. The mission of Toastmasters is to provide a supportive environment for learning, communication, and leadership skills. But does it really work? Hey, look at me. I joined Toastmasters and now I'm on the radio. Thanks, Ken. Anytime. So turn your life around like I have. Visit Toastmasters.org and contact a club near you. Visitors are always welcome, and they usually have snacks. And be sure to mention my name, Kate Conti. The future is anxiously awaiting competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. You 
can be that leader. And it all starts at Toastmasters.org. Are you a small business owner always looking for referrals? Do you have a streamlined approach to generating new referrals? Contact Stephen Worley to learn the fast, easy way to generate new referrals. Stephen has an all-inclusive system that will help you generate an extra 5 to 10 customers per week without spending a single dollar on ads. You won't have to create a website, have pictures taken, or write a single ad. Stephen will take the headache out of the process. Contact him at stephenworley.com. That's Stephen with a V, Worley, W-E-R-L-E-Y.com. Do you have the financial freedom that you imagined you would have? At AJ Freedom Financial, we are dedicated to serving you while helping you achieve your financial goals. We offer financial planning and investment advice on everything from college and retirement planning to a rollover 401k. Please call 866-383-6899 to learn more. The top priority at AJ Freedom Financial has always been and always will be our clients. Call AJ Financial Freedom today to talk to a qualified professional. 866-383-6899. That's 866-383-6899. AJ Freedom Financial, helping Pennsylvanians achieve financial freedom from the man. Securities Investment Advisory Services are offered through Gradient Services, LLC. Members Finder and SIPC. Insurance products are offered, services are offered through AJ Financial Financial, Freedom Financial. AJ Finan- Freedom Financial is not affiliated with Gradient Securities, LLC. <coughs> <coughs> Interesting. Now you see why Glenn beat me in the speech contest. Yes, I do. That's pretty cool with the with the fast talk at the end. He's a fast talker. Uh, yes, he talks fast. He's not a fast talker. Big difference. Okay. Well, so we still got part two, three, and four of Zach's questions, and I, let me touch upon them briefly. Oh yeah, I guess I should I should reintroduce the show. Yes, hey, reintroduce the show, and then I have a question about his first question. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, and we're back with episode 37 of The Pennsylvania Project and my guest, The Pennsylvania Project Facebook page, and we're in the middle of Zach Swope's question. And you had a question about the answer to the question? Yes, I did. Is this a real question? Yes, because you're focusing on vocational training, and I absolutely agree. My father was an electrician. That's how he learned. I even learned my design business that way. I really did. I think you may have just answered your own question, but go ahead. But then you said we can even back it up all the way to the kindergarten level. And I'm wondering how you would possibly do that because I think this funding goes more for K through 12, the, the funding that we're talking about. Well, taxes are paying for everything. I remember when I ran for governor in 2002, part of Ed Rendell's plan was to take over the preschool industry. And he did, and he put a lot of people out of work because of it. I was pretty annoyed about it. But there are companies out there that are reaching all the way back. And probably the most dramatic example I know of is SpaceX. SpaceX is running their own schools, and they go all the way back to the lowest level. Of course, people are dying to get in. SpaceX is run by Elon Musk, who's probably the largest mover and shaker of our time. I think I want to sign up for that. I would want to, too. I'd love to. I would join it now. Yeah, now. (laughs) Now, I'll sit at a little tiny desk. Yeah. Do you know, I would love to meet Elon. Me, too. Can you get him on the show? I doubt it. Man, you can I, try. What's I, that? That's not would, a Toastmaster can-do attitude. I would No, I would not want to because I want him oh. to keep doing what he's doing. Well, that's true. We don't want to be distracting. Yeah, not at all. 
I do have a question for him if I ever meet him. What's that? I want to ask him, do you, have the, do you think you have the right to live your life your way, provided you respect the rights and property of others? And he's going to say, mm. yeah. And I say, oh, so you're a libertarian. And I want to count the number of seconds before he replies or walks away. And then see what he says. <laughs> yes. Well, why aren't you voting that way, I would ask him. Why aren't you supporting candidates that way? Because he's supporting some Democrat, I hear. But we're, we're way off topic, way off yes, topic. Yes, we are. Let's get back to Zach. Zach, you had a question about the question. Oh, yeah, I already answered the question. You answered about the, question. the question about the question. Getting back to Zach's question regarding the one about corruption of Redding. Well, this yes, is, this, corruption of Redding. This is Pennsylvania. It's corruption everywhere. And I know Redding. French Creek State Park right outside of it. It's my home park. Back in episode two, we had a candidate for mayor of Scranton, Gary St. Fleur. He was here to talk about how bad the corruption is, that the city's going bankrupt because of it. Gary actually campaigned on the plank of having the city declare bankruptcy to help stop that, that corrupt gravy train. And he was so concerned about the reaction of the old guard that he wore a bulletproof vest everywhere he went on wow. the campaign trail. Yeah, definitely. Wow. That's dramatic. Definitely, definitely a smart move. Episode two, it was an, it was an interesting, very interesting show. So the corruption is everywhere, and as for what to do about it, let me direct your attention to the answer from about 15 minutes ago that I gave to good old Susan from New Hope. Repeat after me, if it is to be. If it is to be. Yes. And it's up to us. It's up to me. It's, okay, good, it's up to you. I will quote you if on that. If it is to be, it's up to me. And before you say, I'm no politician, let me give you a quote from that philosopher Plato. Who because I am no politician, yeah. Ken. You know what Plato said? What did Plato say? He said that people who are too smart to get involved in politics leave the field wide open for those who aren't. Mm, that sounds about right. <laughs> yes. Now, Zach had one more question, as if he hadn't had enough yet, about local police departments being taken over by the state police. Yes. You know, Zach, I'm not sure that's happening. It's true that about half the towns... About 2,500 towns in Pennsylvania, about half of them, are protected by the state police. And it's only because about half the towns in the state have no police force of their own. And it's also much cheaper for them because they don't have to pay for the state police protection. That means I'm paying for it. Yeah, it means we're paying for it. Yep. It's funny because Governor Wolf introduced a bill to force them to pay $25 a head for state police protection. And I thought that's pretty cruel. But free protection for these towns. I haven't heard that that bill passed, by the way. It's still, I think it's still sitting there. But, you know, if they do, suppose those bills did get passed, I'll bet you would see some towns begging for that free state police protection to take them over. Yeah, it actually sounds like a good deal. Yeah, it does. You know, I'm looking at, at this rate, we're not going to get through all these Facebook questions. But, you know, we'll try. That's, that's enough for Zach. Let's you move want, on. Okay, you want another one? Oh, all right. This is what bothers David Saltz. The hidden fees and taxes. Our state income tax appears low. But then, add county and borough. Don't forget we have the highest gas taxes in the nation. The recent requirement for breweries to pay 1.25% use tax when they sell their own beer on top of the sales tax. We could go on and on. <laughs> As if we're not, right? Hidden fees and taxes. <laughs> you know, I had to laugh out loud at David's question because during my 2018 gubernatorial race, that was my most asked question about this tax, that tax, the other tax, and certainly that beer tax gets to me. I try not to drink beer in Philadelphia because I got this per glass tax on beer. 
It's awful. It does seem like a rip. It is. Well, it was a standard question on the campaign trail, and I got my standard stump speech answer. Taxes are high because spending is high. And the reason why spending is so high is because politicians love to glad hand your money. It's because the state has taken on so many tasks that properly belong to society, such as welfare, unemployment compensation, education, health insurance, county fairs, jobs programs, libraries, game lands, public transportation, policing, business regulation. I like a big long list here. I'm not going to go through all of them. Most of these are not mentioned in the Pennsylvania Constitution. In fact, it's gotten to the point now where state does so many societal functions that over 80% of the Pennsylvania budget, 80% is dedicated to giveaway programs. So the result is higher taxes, higher spending, less and less money in the hands of the people who earn it, too many two-income families, and still the spending grows, and the taxes along with it, and it's growing at more than three times the rate of inflation on average for over 50 years. Wow. doesn't matter if it's a Democrat or Republican in there, the direction is up. I didn't realize that. Most people don't. They don't pay attention. I like to quote Margaret Thatcher on this. The problem with socialism is that eventually you run out of other people's money. Mm. So what do we do? That's always the question. Yeah, how do we, what do we mean by that? Because most of these social services are crucial to Pennsylvanians, especially the elderly exactly. and the needy. We can't abolish them outright. And of course, we're all about solutions here at the Pennsylvania Project. And... One of the solutions to the runaway spending, we heard it in our first commercial, the separation of society and state. In fact, I did an entire show about it back in episode 17 when we didn't have a guest, but that was deliberate. I'll mention that later. That wasn't my fault. <laughs> <coughs> no, you can tell I'm getting over a cold. I got that radio voice. But I'm not going to take up the entire rest of today's show talking about it. You go back to episode 17 and listen to it. Or better yet, read my novel, Atlas Snubbed. As our commercial constantly reminds us, it presents a workable alternative to the welfare state as we know it. There are other alternatives, too, to paying for things via taxation. There are user fees, like, for example, our gas tax. It's not a tax. It's a user fee. If you use the roads, you pay the tax because you're buying the gas. And if you don't, you don't. So that's pretty cool. That makes sense to me. I got a, a story in Abington. They wanted to raise taxes to buy open space, a hillside cemetery. And I get up there and says, did you ever think of asking people for the money? I went to the William Penn Foundation in Philadelphia. I said, hey, would you guys be interested in buying this open space? You know what they said? What'd they say? They said yes. <laughs> really? Yes. Wow. And That's... they donated all this money towards the purchase of open space. But then Abington went and they messed it up. They incredibly underbid the project. And they used eminent domain. They said, you're going to take this. And it went to court. And all the money that was donated got sucked up in lawyer fees. That is a tragedy. That is just so horrible. That is a tragedy and a half. I mean, it's just bad. Bad, bad, bad. All right. I think we have room for one more. Let's see if we can fit it in here. All right. One more. Oh, you know what? I, I don't think so because there's a couple of these that are duplicates, and I wanted to get them out of the way before we did anything. Here we go. How about Chaser EK all the way down there? Chaser E.K. says, there's a flagrant corruption in cities like Reading, we just had that, and Philadelphia, but nothing is done. Well, I go back to the same answer that I gave to Susan, same answer I gave to Zach. 
If it is to be, it is up, up to, to me. We have self-government in this country. That means if you want something changed, you have to do it yourself. Self. Yes. Here's here's another one. Uh, oh, this is we did this last week. Michelle Branthover is, is talk complaining about grammatical errors. Yeah, grammatical errors. I saw that. Yes, and she misspelled that. But no, she didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really funny. Here we go. Let's we, yeah, we can squeeze in these other one ones. One more. <laughs> Two more. Jaroslav Botka says, too much state government power, red tape, tax, waste, corruption, state monopoly on liquor, and terrible roads considering the road tax law. I got to agree with that one. Repeat after me. If it is <laughs> to, to be, be it's it up, up to me. me. Glenn, chime in. Keep going. You got these on your papers. Yeah, I got these on my paper. Yeah. But you're all over the place. <laughs> Last two. All right. Bobby Last. Fleming says, I never got an email back about being on your show. Bobby, I don't have your email address. <laughs> I'll oh, go that, to my producer. My producer's shrugging. Yeah, he's yeah, shrugging. He doesn't have... All right, Bobby, send your email address. Uh, yeah, Bob, try again. Yeah, try again. And Gary Dusen says, state alcohol monopoly. Uh, and you know what? I was actually going to talk about earlier in this one. But All right, so you I, got lucky. I didn't get around to it. So, Gary, we're going to have to come back to that in a future episode. Because I did talk about it in episode 25. And I guess we could talk about it again because we'll pick these up. I guess the next time we're caught guestless, I'll just put these for the beginning of the next show and we'll just finish up with the Facebook then. So that's going to have to wrap it up for the then portion of the Pennsylvania Project. My thanks again to our guest today, the Inhuman Pennsylvania Project Facebook page. And all of you find people who contributed to it by posting your questions there when you should be posting them at PennsylvaniaProject.com. But really, I'm, I'm easy about it. We're going to pause for this information, and when we return, I'll be ranting about something that really sticks in my craw, guests on the Pennsylvania Project. The following is a commercial announcement. Hey, Glenn, how's it going? Eh, you know, it could be better. Why? What's the matter? I just found a great job, but I can't take it. Why not? They want me to go on as a 1099 contractor. So? So what about all the taxes? Federal taxes, state taxes, this tax, that tax. I have better things to do than figuring out all the tax laws and filling out all those forms. I'm a libertarian, remember? Well, then you need Amendment 16. Hey, it's the damn 16th Amendment that got me into this predicament in the first place. No, no, no. Amendment 16, the invoicing service. They'll invoice your client for the hours and expenses you report to them, and when your client pays them, they pay you. Minus all required state and federal taxes. It's that easy. One call does it all. And they'll even have an accountant do your personal taxes for you come April Fool's Day. I mean, come April 15th. And they take care of all the taxes? All the forms? Yep. And they can pass along certain tax breaks, too. Sounds perfect. Where do I find them? On the web, of course, at amendment16.com, with 16 spelled out. That's amendment, S-I-X-T-E-E-N.com. One call does it all. You've been a registered libertarian for years, voted for libertarians even longer, and lived by libertarian principles all your life. Now it's time to take the next step and become a dues-paying member of the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. Keep abreast of the march toward liberty in Pennsylvania. Take an active role in making it happen. Maybe even consider running for a political office yourself. It all starts with becoming a dues-paying member of the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. It's easy, fast, and only $20 a year. So visit lppa.org and sign up today. That's lppa.org. Do it today. 
A freer future is waiting. Sounds great. Hey, Ken Crawchuk here again, and welcome to the me portion of episode 37 of the Pennsylvania Project, where I get to rant about something that really sticks in my craw. Today, it's guests on the Pennsylvania Project. I know, it sounds like I'm biting the hand that feeds me, but fortunately, there's no hand here today to, f- to be biting. I don't know if you could bite a Facebook hand, so I could be as frank as I like. <laughs> Just call me Frank. Go for it, Ken. Well... Let me start out by saying I like the guests, and I understand that they need to cancel for valid reasons, such as that poor fellow a couple episodes who hit a deer on his way over to the studio, or the lady who got washed away in that summer storm. And yes, I can understand how my wonderful producer can sometimes run out of options when doing his scheduling. He's not even paying attention. not paying attention (laughs) at all. He doesn't care. I can still understand it, but I don't have to like it. One thing I do have to do, though, is deal with it. And sometimes that can be great fun. Take, for example, episode 33, The Day of the Deer. Kate's first day as narrator, as I recall. Also with Margaret Sassuni as cohort from ETS Toastmasters. It was funny because we're sitting here in the studio. When word came down, we had no guest. I remember the worried look on their faces. Absolutely, both of us. (laughs) We were like deer in the headlights That's right. But hey, we're Toastmasters, I told them. We've been trained to handle all these sorts of things. And five minutes later, we had a show outlined and we did it. It was pretty amazing. I think your confidence was contagious. I don't know. I, yeah, I was confident we were going we to mess it up. Right, check it out. It was episode 33. And I want to take a listen and I want to see if you can tell that it was created on the spot. I, I bet you can't. Kate, what did you think? What did you think when you first heard word we had no guests? What was your first reaction? It was a total panic. Total panic. I mean, I don't even love I don't even love the impromptu part of Toastmasters. Although we need to learn it. I I get that. But you were talking about fifteen minutes of impromptu. Thirty minutes. Thirty Fif- minutes. 15, he was talking about thirty minutes of impromptu. Yeah, I was panicked. I wasn't. I remember Mark, Margaret was not too comfortable with it. No, either. she was not. She was like hiding behind the <laughs> behind the, the table here. Yeah. Well, how do you think it came out? I thought it came out pretty good. I, I listened to it afterwards, and I have some friends who've listened to it and some Toastmasters who've listened to it, and they were pretty impressed. Uh-huh. I was pretty impressed, too. I, was, I guess I was not surprised, though, because that's what Toastmasters is all about, teaches you to handle stuff like that. I've been to funerals where people say, Ken, get up there and say a few words. And a lot of people are just like, oh, what do you mean say a few words? Especially at a funeral. You know, you're not at your best intellectually, emotionally. All gears aren't turning. Yeah, I can pretty much talk to anyone in an informal group situation, but it's when I'm up in the front, like in a funeral. Mm-hmm. You're standing there and everybody's looking at you, expecting something brilliant to come out of your mouth. I freeze. That's why we're Toastmasters. But not as much anymore, yeah, because of the practice. But we did it. We came through without a guest, and we've done it more times than I want. But, you know, there are times when you actually hope that a guest doesn't show up. And that happened to us on episode 22. And that's one episode that's really near and dear to my heart because it was all about the Pennsylvania Constitution. It took me a full half hour to discuss all the ins and outs of the Constitution and to point out each and every one of the 17 places that are routinely being violated by the very politicians who have sworn to uphold it. We were waiting for that missing guest to occur for that episode. Not just to have that half hour, 
but more so because that was the episode where we introduced our petition to have the Pennsylvania Constitution taught in the schools. Have you signed it yet, by the way? Yes. I have signed it too. I think I was the first signer. Well, in any case, that missing guest actually did us a favor by opening up a time slot for that very important topic. But there was another time of a missing guest that I had everything ready, but the topic was a lot less crucial. But it was something I really wanted to cover, primarily because no one had a solution to an overly talked about current problem. And I wanted that solution to get out there. What was that? I'm so curious now. It was in episode nine where I spent an entire half hour talking about bathrooms. Oh, <laughs> yep. I haven't listened to that one yet. Bathrooms. And you know what's really funny? It's one of our more popular episodes. Really? Most downloads and everything. It's all about ligbits in the bathroom crisis. Ligbits are LGBT. I call them ligbits because I, I don't know how to spell. Ligbits? Ligbits. LGBT. Ligbits. Okay. LG- That's cute. Ligbits. I presented at the, in that episode a three-step solution to the bathroom crisis. Step one was bathroom suffrage. Essentially, it's to borrow somebody else's phrase, let those who ride decide. Anybody, if you're in a public building, the people who use that public building would vote once a year to decide how their bathrooms would go. Interesting. Let those who ride decide. A little cumbersome, though. You have to take a vote on this every single year. We just stick a piece of paper in a slot. Anybody who's in the building. Janitors, presidents, if it's school, the kids. That way you're not forcing your opinion on somebody. I could spend the whole rest of the episode talking about this, but step two is don't ask, don't tell. Just push the stereotype, which liberals don't like to do, except if you're in the bathroom, but I digress. Step three is push out the pusher. Get government out of our bathrooms. Government shouldn't decide. Check it out. Episode nine. No guest. But uh, who wants a guest when you're in the bathroom, right? That's right. Anyway, today, today's missing guest. I did not need this one. This was a tough one. I've been leaning on my producer about this because this one really sticks in my craw. Yes, it's good to start catching up somewhat on the backlog of questions off of Facebook. But that meant I had to take the time to research the answers, figure out a good approach, and get it all done a few days after the wife and I returned from Jamaica, man. And worst of all, you could tell in my voice, I have a cold and all I want to do is sleep. Maybe after a shot of Jamaican rum. Maybe after two shots of Jamaican rum. But that introduces even more issues because, you see, I never drink within 48 hours of a public appearance. That's a old, old habit of mine. I was on... Pennsylvania Cable Network doing a statewide broadcast, live TV, and I was talking about decriminalizing cannabis. And I was talking about all the people who are in favor of decriminalizing cannabis. I mentioned Ann Landers, Dear Abby, Mayor Kurt Schmoke in Baltimore, and Jocelyn Elders, and I couldn't remember her title. I hate and when I said, that happens. I said, oh, and I'm on statewide television. And I said, oh, I went to the audience, lifeline to the audience. I said, what's the title of the medical attorney general? And they said, Surgeon General, yeah, Surgeon General, even the Surgeon General. And afterwards, my, my eldest daughter, Melanie, she says, Dad, it's because you were drinking last night, because I was out late with my brother. And it served me right. And I said right there, 48 hours. And ever since then, I've kept to that. Within 48 hours of public appearance, I haven't had anything to drink. 
Sounds like a good policy. It is. And it's. I'm ready to have a beer after this, though. But didn't your wife say that you're kind of a drag? Yeah, she says I'm no, no fun. <laughs> no fun, no fun. Yeah, that, was, that was during the campaign because starting in about August, right on through Election Day, mm-hmm. I had things going on all the time and I had nothing to drink. <sighs> anyway, but none of it matters. None of it matters that sticks in my crawl that we don't have a guest. It doesn't matter about me not drinking. It doesn't matter that we have to make up shows on the spot because I have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to you, our listeners, our advertisers, to WWDB Radio, who graciously keeps inviting me back week after week where I can preach the gospel of freedom to not only solve the correct problem but to solve it correctly. I don't know about you when you listen to this, but it's a few days before Christmas at the moment, season of giving. I have my Santa hat. So no matter how much the absence of a particular guest or guests that may not exist or be non-human, there's no question I'll still be here filling that half hour as my gift to you. And I can't thank you all enough for listening. Merry Christmas. Happy Old Year, what's left of it. And best of all, Happy New Year. On that traditionalist note, that's going to wrap it up for episode 37 of the Pennsylvania Project. If you have something to say, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at PennsylvaniaProject.com right after you sign the petition. And you can hear us there too. <coughs> Pardon. Today's episode is courtesy of Amendment 16 Limited, recorded live at the studios of WWDB Radio, broadcasting in Philadelphia at 860 on the AM dial every Saturday at 10 a.m. and released as a podcast every Tuesday at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Webmaster Stephen Worley, marketing guru Connor Dragotis, feature Toastmaster narrator Glenn Friesman, feature Toastmaster cohort distinguished Toastmaster Kate Conti, keyboard wizard Joe the Pag, radio producer Brett Kronberger, executive producer Mark Pazako, and me, your caster, Ken Krawchuk. Thanks for joining us, and remember, more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem. <laughs> <laughs>